watching Betty handle that client. And it looked like she wasn't going to be. Peggy. That's right. Betty does not handle clients. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. to describe the advertising executives of Madison Avenue. They coined it. You look tan. Did you have fun? I'm sorry, but your name escapes me. Welcome to They Coined It. I'm Roberta Lip. And I'm Dan Jasper. And we Season co- six. Uh, sorry. Uh, we cover Mad Men. You more to say? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to mention that we cover Mad Men episode by episode. And uh, holy shit, it's season six. What? Yeah. We did. It looks like, it looks like we're going to hopefully make it to the end of the series. Uh, you know. Miracle of miracles, right? We're on countdown, I think. So a couple episodes back, somewhere in the latter half of season five, I mentioned how John Hamm keeps like doing the same kind of shticky thing with send up of his personality and his looks and the commercials. And he hasn't like done anything meaty recently. Shocker of shocker, I am wrong about something meaty with John Hamm. Are you going to tell me about Fargo? Because no, okay, no, you already mentioned Fargo. All right, good because I already and mentioned I said, Fargo, and I'm like, you know, get, get, being like a featured guy on Fargo to me does not qualify. Okay, but what does qualify is playing Fletch in the new Fletch. What, like, <laughs> listen, it, for, it was pretty substantial trailer, right? It's a couple minutes long, so you see a lot. Uh, of I haven't it. seen the trailer. I got to check that out. You really get a sense that he's putting a spin on this iconic role. You know, he's not doing a Chevy impersonation in this trailer. So I to me, it not, really. But... Right. We, we'd all hope not. That's the, but, I mean, wait, but I'm guessing just based on what you've already said in past and now. He's also not doing it just as that John John Ham thing. That absolutely, he he's is actually, playing the character. He is putting, he's actually creating. He's a role. acting. Okay. He is pu- he is putting his spin as an actor on what is an iconic character, obviously. So that's hard to do for any actor taking up that kind of a role. Anyway, did the kids today know that it's an icon? Like it was no, probably uh, not. It's an amazing. It's aimed at us. It's aimed it's at an, us. Absolutely, it's an impressively. Huge! It was a huge movie for for something that you would probably catch on TBS and be like, <laughs> "What is this?" And who cares, right? But it was. I, I love. I saw it in the movies. I we loved it. We it, all loved listen, it. It ha- it had an extended life, and I think it's mostly gone. Like it is not. It's not like like Shawshank. Okay, is one of those movies that had this amazing life on cable and became this much bigger thing years decades after the its own release than it was okay, at the I don't time, think right? Fletch and Shawshank. <laughs> well, no, I think that no, I, the, the, the comparison I'm drawing is that Fletch had its moment as living after its release for years and years. Right. But Did that's, it? that's kind of gone. That kind of ended. Like I don't, you don't, I don't see Fletch on TV ever. No, that's true. I, that, no, that I is, don't see it. That is fair enough. I, I was more thinking if you came across it on TV, yeah, it would feel yeah. like something you come across on TV, but you're right. It doesn't even do that. But it doesn't but have just, a life any. Like it, <laughs> it, it, 
But those of us of a certain age, absolutely, it is. Of a, as I mean, it's you very know. specific age. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe awfully specific. But anyway, the character, you know, Chevy's it's an iconic performance by Chevy in his prime. Uh, which also was a specific window, um, late, late, late Chevy Prime. Um, but no, it was you know it, it is what it is. If you're into it, uh, you know what we're talking about. And uh, I think he puts from what you can well, see, he's what? He's he a puts a detective. real great spin on it. It's probably it was from a book, so you know there's like a literary uh, origin to it. These were like well-known books, I guess, back in like the 70s or 80s. But um, yeah, it, it from the from the looks of the trailer, it was a, he put real work into his take, and I loved it. It was it was really entertaining. What about Slattery? He's in it, yeah. He's in it too, yeah. Exactly right. So there's a Mad Men connection right there. I don't remember anything about the story of Fletch. I just oh, it was good, gosh. and I enjoyed it. Had another podcast for that. Oh, we, we <laughs> I think we practically just Fletch. did one. Time is up. Thanks everybody for listening. The Doorway, Part One, <laughs> written by Matthew Weiner, directed by Scott Hornbacher. Original air date was April seventh, twenty thirteen, and it takes place in mid to late December through December twenty sixth, nineteen sixty seven. Now I'm going to do the summary at this point, but just to you know, if you need a bathroom break or <laughs> grab does. a sandwich. A lot of shit going on I, in I saw the doorway right part like, that one. Is, that is the longest paragraph you've ever. Every put time in that I location. thought I was done, every time I thought I was like, "Oh wait, no, there's something else that." Huh? Here we go. <laughs> Don and Megan get away to a Hawaiian beach resort that the firm is pitching as a client. Megan's career is taking off with her soap opera role. Don meets PFC Dinkins early one morning at the hotel bar and gives the bride away at his wedding. Peggy has to change a headphones campaign. Betty and Henry have a young musician staying with them. Building neighbors, the Rosens, are now friends with Don and Megan. We meet Bob Benson. Roger's going to therapy. And also his mother dies. It never fucking ends this episode. Tell me one thing in that summary I could have excluded. No, I mean... would not have been meaningful. No, you're, you're correct. It's, right? It's also it's Christmas. Did you say it's Christmas? It's Christmas. It's chock it's chock full. So anyway, that all that shit happens. But being that it's a season premiere of Mad Men, it's a taking stock episode among everything else, right? Like everything's kind of caught up and what's transpired and what hasn't. Does season seven open with a two parter? I was thinking that because this is two two parters in a row, right? Yeah, and it, what it makes me think, I've never really thought about it until now that I'm thinking about it uh, deeply and then forgetting, <laughs> mm. uh, is, you know, what we talked about a lot, especially in the beginning of season five, is how season five was something of a reset. I mean, we've had a few resets. That's one of the sure. the threats of watching Mad Men is you never <laughs> fucking know What's temporary? You never know. Well, four, four was a huge reset. Five was a huge. Right, like, that's what I'm saying. There was, it wasn't yeah. the first reset, but it was a. It was a. We were once again like, oh, I don't know what this show is going to be now because we've right. because of the marriage. You could and, say that about season two, season four, season five, at least right now. And the answer is no. <laughs> not a double episode. Okay. Not a double episode. But so we have that not to look forward to. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, but that was also the season they split in two. Season right. f- season seven, they dragged over two years, and it was yeah. a fourteen we'll episode. Talk about that wisdom of that later. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> it was a fourteen episode, uh, seven and seven instead of a thirteen episode. So anyway, we start out. We start out on the beach, and I, I'm going to geek out on something here before we even get rolling. First of all, we called the last episode of season six, season five rather, Megan's ass. Great title, by the way. The viewer man. Yeah, episode. great title, by the way. Thank you. Um, we start this season with Megan's belly, mm-hmm. right there on the beach. There we get is. a close up of belly shot. But regardless, I'm going to geek out on the fact that a server brings her a bluish, you know, tropical drink, and what does she say? She says, "Mahalo, it's still sweet 282." That's all she says. So. From a writing standpoint, what do we know in like four words of dialogue? They're in Hawaii. Mahalo says they're in Hawaii. It's still Sweet 202. She's been drinking. This is not the first drink. Sweet 202, 282. They're at a resort in Hawaii and they're drinking a lot. We know all that from the one goddamn line. That's very amazing. That's right. It's a ton of information for the, the one throwaway. Now, is this commonly known that Don, the, the episode opens with Don, with a voiceover of Don reading from the Inferno. That's right. And then Don does not speak a word of dialogue for like seven minutes. Do you know that? <laughs> no, I didn't notice it's that. It's fucking wild. Don... It, particularly on the beach, it's it's uh, Megan. When does he first talk then? When they're back in the hotel room? Nope. First word he says is to P.F. Dinkins, and he says, "Army." Wow. Everything that. Crazy. How many scenes is that? He the beat. It's really it's really a wonder to watch it happen on the beach, particularly because she has a whole conversation with him. She does. Yeah. Without him. He picks up the watch. She says, oh, did you get it wet? I mean, she does a whole monologue. Yeah, it's the way couples sometimes, you just have that, right? Yeah. I didn't notice it. It's not, it's not pretty. Right. It's not terrible about Megan. It's awful about Don. He's not not not, batting the ball back. Yeah. Yeah, he's just, Mm, he doesn't speak. Interesting. Yeah, it's wild. So that it's it's on the beach, it's in the hotel room with the joint, it's at <laughs> dinner, it's at the luau. He does it's ba- yeah, he doesn't speak. That's crazy. Isn't it? So worth mentioning also even before the beach is this is this frantic CPR scene back in New York. We actually see that before. So, FYI, right? We don't know what it means, but it's there. And then we go to the beach. It's a pretty eventful trip to Hawaii. First of all, we find out they go to this, you know, luau thing and we find out that this is indeed a client trip. Right? They're being hosted by the client and test kick. it's a uh, kind of like a better version of Howard Johnson's, you could say. <laughs> For the two it's of them somewhere between it. what Howard Johnson's and Hilton, I mean. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not Rome, but it's also not upstate New York or wherever the hell they went. But we also find out at that luau in particular that Megan's like Megan's on a soap a hot actress. 
not a hot actress. We also know she's new. I don't know if you, I don't know if you ever watch soap operas. I don't know if you know soap talk. So that, this is a fictional soap opera, but she, the woman said the name of the town, whatever the name of the town was. And that is how you relate. How are things in Pine Valley is something, (laughs) you know, like you're doing great in Pine Valley is something I would have said if she had been on all my children. Like you totally talk that way. So what you get is that she's kind of new and she's, and she's doing well. We get more later, but in Hawaii, we, we already get that she's kind of new because it looks like uh, one of, if not the first time she's been recognized, one of the, you know, it's not, it's novel. Yeah. She it was still first blush fame kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's like, hi, I'm Megan. You know, you get it from both of them that this is, this is a fairly new role and probably not a. She's like, I think you're going to do well there. So it seems like it's a smallish role. Okay. Which again, that gets filled in later, later in the episode. But we, we get that, all of that from that interaction. But she's taking off in her way, right? That, that yeah. last we no, heard, it was, soap. she's been struggling. They focused a lot on Don's reactions to all that. You know, we saw a lot he of- he wasn't speaking. <laughs> kind of, yeah. He was still not talking, but, but his reactions were interesting. They weren't. He, he wasn't, I don't know, they were, he was a little, in. Un, what, what's the word I'm trying to think of? A little inscrutable. Um, he seemed to enjoy it, but also be a little suspicious. Be a little annoyed um, and be, yeah. A little annoyed. Yeah, a little of everything. A little, but again, prou- a little proud, but all of it. Not not weighing in with, with words. Don is Well, no, he, word, he was Don's watching the man. exchange with right. the fan. Yeah. I'm just um, saying, he doesn't, he doesn't speak. To the, he doesn't say anything to the friends. He doesn't. He is still quiet, Don. It's weird. But yeah, but it, but it's notable, certainly from a filling in what's happened since last we we saw everybody. Um, and they go and they have romantic uh, evening at, at in the hotel room, and Megan brings back some joints, and you know it's they're on vacation and they're having fun, and that's basically it. I mean, that's what we see. They do a great job with the cultural appropriation <laughs> like they not it's not cultural but that's, that's not what it is it's, it's it's the it's the sticky tourism boom that you know it's the self yeah it's it's the hawaiian culture just allow like making what white people think of hawaiian culture an acceptable joke to themselves it's very uncomfortable <laughs> yeah it's it's um you might say, it's amazing because oh, it's no, both, it's, I'm not going to eat that. It's, like, oh, right, right, right. That's cringe, right? It's cringe. But what I find interesting is more than the cultural sort of uh, self-consciousness, right, which is kind of what we're talking about, is um, is the fact that, you know, back then, Hawaii and just anywhere, we were a less – there was no travel channel. <laughs> you know, these things were – these things were really fucking far out, you know. All of this stuff, what poi, what the, you know, and and the and the and the marketing guys like it's, you know, it's paste or whatever. He's like, <laughs> you're not gonna like it. But yeah, I, f- I found it sort of like, well, they, in a sense, it's like no, they were all singing for their supper, right? Like this is yeah, this is what right. makes the island rich. So you know, make fun of yourself all day long if it brings in the, the, the flights from LA and, and the Far East, right? So, yeah, I, I, I didn't say, I, I wouldn't say it was cringe so much as just sort of like 
sort of where the world was at the time. You know, it, it, it's how tourism got, the industry got built on shit like that, I think. For good or for bad, but that, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, it was no, no, you're not, you're not wrong. I'm just, I'm just, I mean, you're not, it's, we just, fine. It was of the time. I, I just, for me, it's, it's one of the things of the time that is cringe. Yeah, no, na- nowadays that, that, and that shtick would not fly now. You're not going to Hawaii, even though there might still be traditional luau's. They'd be a little more authentic. They'd be a little more, um, the audience would just be more sophisticated. So there'd be, you know. There'd be an expectation take. that the audience should be more sophisticated. and, and Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and And they'd walk out on that fucking MC guy, right? Because he, he's a hack now. But back then, not a hack. You know, it's funny if you compare it to Dirty Dancing, which of course there's no, it's not a cultural thing. And it's a few years apart also, but you can look at the side by side of what entertainment looks like in a resort. You know, it's yeah. it's not that different. It's just this one was Hawaiian. But the the, the participation and the all of that stuff. Because you didn't see that stuff. You had to you had to see it at all. You had to be in Hawaii virtually. There are probably magazines, and then so there was uh, yeah, Hall. magazines and stuff. But the look on the look on Megan's face when she got up there and did the dance was just sheer joy. She's she, she's she's effervescent. I mean, that's that's the character. That's the actress. That's the moment, and she was great. But in addition, there's this very stark encounter with. PFC Dinkins. Help me through this. I'm not sure I got everything. Oh, fuck. Because <laughs> I was definitely like, oh, hope Dan can help me through this. Well, I, I, I wrote down a lot of the quotes because I found everything he said to be interesting, even drunk. Well, first of all, I just want to, I don't know if this was a common take, but he reminded me of Adam. Like wide-eyed kind of thing? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. a little bit the coloring, a little younger. You know, I, I don't know if that was supposed to be one of the things, one of the... Yeah. I mean, what drew Don in is the question. What about this mm-hmm. had him do it? Had him go ahead and, and give away the bride in the early morning? We don't know. Yeah, it's as if there's some sort of mystical pull for him. I I think in general, I mean, the little bit I was able to take of it was kind of like, you know, I always feel that Don, I go back to that that Memorial Day um, at the country club where he's up there, you know, all the veterans stand up and he's everyone's sort of applauding him and he looks down at Sally and she's got that, that she's looking up at him with those eyes. And this guilt that he carries around you know, anything to do with the service or, or, or the military and all that. He asks him if he's married, if he was married when he was in the army. All right. And he yeah. said no. And I'm like, well, Don Draper was, though. <laughs> exactly. There's too much, too much to get into with a drunk Dinkins. But yes, exactly. He was, he himself was not married. But it was just one more thing, one more piece of his lie, one more piece of what, yeah. what, a reminder. what pings him, you know? And so... In terms of like, you know, what what encourages him to give away the bride and do this? Yeah, I think it was a little sort of, you know, I'm looking at my younger self here, whether that was Adam or not. I didn't get that from it, but that's an interesting take. 
it was a little different than the, the rest of what there was to take, I think, what the Adam mm-hmm. piece. So, again, mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody else got that. Coiners will tell us. There was just a little Adam there for me. But, yeah, I think the the, the larger piece is that he's he's scratching some kind of an itch with this guy. That That's how I kind of took it, be that as it may. Um, but, yeah, the, these lines from Dinkins – they really like hit right in the center of the bullseye for Don. One day I'm going to be a veteran in paradise. It's a weird thing to say, right? One day I'm going to be the man who can't sleep and talks to strangers. It's not a weird thing to say. That was a little shot. <laughs> I mean, that was a little, <laughs> that was a little like, I see you. A little on the nose, but yeah. Um, so yeah, think, I mean, he, he's, I don't think, I don't think it's, all that straightforward where I think there's a lot of interpretation there, even as it's one of those things that happens and you go, okay, so this is going to mean something as the season goes on. Right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's not my favorite feature of Mad Men. It's a little like the, the, the guy in the hospital waiting room. Yeah, exactly. You know, like it was, plunked it in out to be, yeah, to be super symbolic. And I'm not, that sure what all the symbols are, but I'm also not that interested in what all the symbols are. Why now? Why this is coming? Why at this point in Don's life is, is that hitting him the way it is? Who knows? It's what in most movies or shows would have been like really sad music to cue, <laughs> to cue the, the viewer. Like this is sad. I think that's actually where we found out it was Christmas time. It was a subtle, like Muzak version of some Christmas song. I was like, "Oh, oh!" I wasn't, ac- I wasn't actually referring to music, but you, you, you may have picked up on that. But um, I just mean like the way music is used to sort of like, sort of a, sort of a hacky way to manipulate <laughs> the viewer. No, it just reminded me. It just reminded me, like, oh, that by the way, that's when, FYI, that's when. Uh, the but music in the Mad Men universe, in the Mad Men vocabulary, this, this is the kind of thing where you go, "Oh, okay, we're supposed to." take something from this who knows what welcome back i'm jealous just looking at you i think you'd like it i don't know if it's the photographers or the writers but it really smells like reefer in here and we see don return to work which is sort of like another another bucket of who the hell knows what that is i mean the the office is a different place than we left it. The office is a different place than we left it. The, the 60s have landed on everybody's heads. <laughs> Late 67, kids. Yeah, Stan, Stan looking like a beach boy, right? Like a Brian, like a late day Brian Wilson. Everybody's hairlines, everybody's mustaches, everybody's yeah. uh, smoking right there in the office. And with a, with yeah. a tiny bit of like, I guess we shouldn't. You know, like trying to hide it, but uh-huh. like you're sitting there. Sm- I mean, you know, there's no stronger aroma than weed. So it isn't like they didn't go to the bathroom to smoke. The ventilation wasn't that good. That that shit was hanging around. Yeah, Ginsburg looks different. He's got the longer hair, the mustache, and he, he's he's breaking the balls of that new woman who's there. I don't know what. I don't know if we heard a name. I don't, I don't think so. I loved her. She, she remind, she always reminded me of one of the, uh, the, the, the old, um, Sid, podcast. Gotta Sid, talk. Sid, Sid, uh, the old Sid Caesar writing room, the writer's room, right? Oh, okay. Which is a famous, okay. famous writer's room sure. that has been fictionalized and, and dramatized many times. My favorite year. My favorite yeah. year. If you, if you kids out there haven't seen my favorite year, give yourself Oof. that treat. 
Peter O'Toole. But that writer's room was a young Neil Simon and his brother, the other Simon brother, and a young Mel Brooks, and a young Woody Allen, Woody Allen. and a young, yeah, my favorite. <coughs> Um, (laughs) No, but, you know, I mean, a a bunch of young geniuses. Geniuses. And then there was some, there was Imogene Coca, but but this, which she was like super, super skinny, kind of almost Margaret Hamilton-y. But but this woman just felt like she was in that room, you know, like she just had that vibe for me. I see. Okay. Interesting. That's That's a great reference. It was a wild leap, but it was right there for me. She seemed to do a great job of portraying someone who didn't know what to make of Ginsburg, which seems just perfect. <laughs> I can't believe you just came off of 10 hours of plane travel. You look great. No, Stan, you look great. Changing the subject ever so slightly, during your travels, did you notice if the stewardesses would let a mother hold a baby on her lap the whole ride? I believe so. Really? <laughs> Don't feel bad. I mean, how would you know? You never had any kids. Last time you left town, it was in a covered wagon. Because you're old. But yeah, work works going on. We 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 see more that Royal Hawaiian or whatever the name of it is is you know they got a they got a pitch coming up and yeah and they as we saw at the end of last season they have the floor above them and a staircase to get and there a staircase <laughs> that you can photograph. Um, yeah, I it was it was interesting, you know, and, and Harry of course doesn't get his picture taken and. And walks through the picture. Throws a little great. hissy fit, and and Pete busting Don's balls. Yeah, what a dick. I mean, really busting his balls. Like, yeah, not it, in a good way. Uh, no, that's great. Not great. But again, I think that in in that sort of taking stock way, we've seen the firm. We're we're we're, we're seeing the firm having taken a, a great leap forward from where it was. I mean, we get the least. About Pete and about Joan. I mean, we get them, right? We get Joan on the stairs, but we get right, the least. Yeah, I mean, and this is part one of a two-parter. Rogers in therapy. <laughs> yeah, we that, do get some I didn't Roger. Have that on my bingo card. Yeah, there was a great back and forth that established some exposition. That you know, he's been in therapy for a while. That. The whole, I'm not, I'm not, I don't laugh. We've talked. I mean, he said a few we, times. Yeah, at we've time, discussed yeah, the therapist this. says we. <laughs> we've discussed right, exactly. this. It was, you know, it was a good way to do it. But I, for me, that just was transparent. But that's because I study this shit too hard a little bit. Um, <laughs> but it was great. I mean, there's, there's Roger. But, but listen, for Roger to have, you know, done something that he was already told he can't do or is asking for something he can't get. That doesn't mean he's been in therapy for years. He could have been in for two months and already st- oh, yeah, <laughs> and yeah, still yeah, yeah. Totally. Know, no, no, no. Whatever that. Two months, six months. And also it's probably starting to get trendy. And Roger, as he says, he's looking for another high. He's, he's like, everything that, ends, yeah. everything ends up falling flat. And I, I would think he tried therapy, not because he's unwell, but because, Maybe I'll get to something doing this. Maybe I'll One feel of the characters something. Characters on the on the show least likely to be in therapy, but most needs it in some ways. Sure, you know, because, sure. Because his because his you know as a character, his perception of himself is probably most skewed because of the upbringing, because of the money, because of the work, because of his life. Uh, you know, so I'll leave it there. But but to see him actually in. <laughs> undergoing the process is entertaining because it's John Slattery playing a great character. Um, but 
but yeah, he's kind of he's kind of rambling. He's kind of all over the place. His hair's longer, so we see that too. Is by the way, um, but yeah, he, he, it's almost like um, Sterling's gold. You know, it's these sort of <laughs> these observations that he makes that you'd think most people his age would have made by now, but he's just coming to it. So it kind of sounds profound, even though maybe it's not. He went on and on, basically saying you walk through a door and you think it's supposed to be this amazing thing, but there's just more doors and then it closes. I found that to be really powerful. And by the way, the name of the episode is The Doorway. What he's saying is, you know, there's this new great thing in life. It's whatever it is. And he doesn't get into what it is, but it's. You see a door. I'm tired of doors. That's all there are. Doors. They come. They all open the same way and they all close behind you. The experiences are nothing. Just pennies. So, yeah. First, first of all, that's that's every piece of life. What what are the doors? It's, yeah. it's falling in love. It's this right. It's all the it's all the milestones of life. But it really left me with. Like Don. Roger doesn't want to feel a thing. Or Roger doesn't feel a thing and he do- he actually wants to. That's why that's what I'm saying. That's why he's in therapy. That's why, you know, he did the acid and he wants to do the acid again because he's he's this is the, he's he's very much in a is that all there is. That's what Yeah. 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 Now we we talked about uh, a, uh some kind of a spin-off with uh Sally's character. I see a spin-off with Roger just in therapy. Every episode he's in therapy. And I would watch that. I'm sure that you would. I would watch that every week. You sound afraid. More like irritated. Oh, what do you think's causing that? Top of the list, New Year's. So we spend some time also with the Francis's. At the Nutcracker. Betty, Betty, they're eating popcorn at the Nutcracker? Is that what it they're, was? They're passing, they're passing, they have a little bag of, I watched this so carefully, um, because there is Candy no worse sound from when you're in a theater to us to the person on the stage, especially than a candy wrapper. And they were passing, uh, like they had like a <laughs> like a baggie or something. I don't know what it was of of like wrapped candies, and each one was taking one. And I was like, oh god, they're gonna open them. Except Betty, she did not take. But them. yes, notably Betty, <laughs> who's reducing. Yeah, who's reducing? <laughs> Who is not reducing? By the way. I, I, I mean, that's just part of the game, right? You, you you make the moves as though you're reducing. But tech, I mean, looking at her, she's actually not reducing. She's certainly not reduced. Is she still, she's not still in the fat suit, though, is she? Totally. She is? Totally. I couldn't quite tell. You can see it in her face. Well, the face, yeah, she's got weight in the face. I just didn't know if, I don't know if the suit covers the face. I don't know. She's got that house coat on late at night. Yeah, you can't tell because Betty hides, but but she's got the prosthetics on her face. So, so on the way home, and what's Henry's mom's name again? I can't remember. Pauline. Her name is. Pauline. Right. I mean, you want to talk about cringe? Oh, she's rough. Well, the yeah, the ticket. She is. <laughs> that woman is tough to take. I'm sorry. Well, what I got out of that scene was Sally. I hate the cops. <laughs> That's a great little line. <laughs> Well, which you totally know she got from, you know, later you could, you could, you could go back and say, oh, she got it from Sandy. Like Sandy's a big influence on her. I hate the cops as Sandy talking, right? Sandy, by the way, is, uh, Ray Donovan fans know her as, as Bridget. He, her daughter. Oh, is that right? She's fantastic. 
So I was, uh, yeah, she's fantastic. So, okay, so let's get into it. Who is she? We don't, I, I didn't feel like we got like a real explanation of who she is or why she's there. They're friends and she's new. She's kind of Sally's best friend. She doesn't have a mother, so she maybe sleeps over a bunch. She's this violin prodigy. She's not a prodigy because she's 15. So we do get all that. Like, that's who she is. She's no, been- we, get, we get who she is, but we don't get why she's virtually living there. She's a mother and she's Sally's best friend. And that's what you do when you're 15 and 14 and whatever is you, is you sleep over a lot. And also it's Christmas, it's Christmas vacation. Okay. It sounded, it seemed more formal than that. That's why it was sort of like, we've taken her in or whatever. No, 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 no. Because Bob, Bobby, little, little horny Bobby was all like, Ooh, is she sleeping over again? Love when Sandy sleeps over. Yeah. yeah, Oh, that's true. Okay. I couldn't quite piece it together. Anyway, it bored me. I have to tell you the whole, the whole thing was boring. I think what's supposed to be significant is this scene with her and Betty when she's in the sick. I love that she's this 15 year old having a cigarette in the kitchen. And, and that's not, e- that's not even noteworthy to Betty. <laughs> exactly. Not it, it's nope, way down on the list of things to take notice of. <laughs> so, so the conversation is, is partly about, okay, so we find out she's not going to Juilliard. She's lying. Uh, but she still wants to go to the city. And then it becomes this conflict where Betty, where Betty's like, what are you doing with your life? And it's just, none of it felt, it felt very, very heavy handed. I was like, am I supposed to feel something about any of this? Like, it didn't really feel like no, they were no. like, all, you know, like Betty kind of oversteps and she's like, you overstep. And I'm like, she did, like, I don't no, I didn't feel any of what they were feeling. No. And and that conversation where Betty's like, you're insulting yeah, me. Yeah, that's what I mean. I didn't like, learn much about either of them. There was nothing about their relationship that seemed worth paying attention to. Yeah. I, I think, I don't think it was well written or acted. It's written, no, especially. No. Like, there was just no. Now, if you want to talk about a weird scene, though. Oh, God. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, there's a lot more cringe in this episode than I realized. Can't We can't not talk about the scene. And I'll tell you why we can't not talk about the scene is because there was nothing else but that. There, it wasn't like there was some elegant, um, you know, transition in and out of that part of the conversation. You know what I mean? There weren't three things tell to them, accomplish. Tell the kids what you're talking about, Dan. Okay, here's what I'm talking about. Betty seems to have a fantasy whereby Henry uh, has his way with Sandy, and it's kind of violent. She says, and kind of, you should go rape her. She says rape. She says, you should. Right. Go, I was trying to avoid well, that word. But that's what she says, and it is. It is what it she is, says. I don't know. You know. Uh, it reminded me of when... Uh, you know, again, these characters, as as weird and wacky and wacky and weird as that was, the writing on this show is so specific and so, when it's great, it's great. And the character is, is so thoroughly played, first by the writers and by January Jones, that even though it was shocking, and you're saying, where the fuck is this coming from? It's not inconsistent with Betty no, as a character. Isn't. Now, here's right? what... It only occurs to me right now. Is she, is she turned on by Sandy? Not, I mean, she's obviously yeah, she's turned, turned on. on. She's turned well, on, she's turned on, on, by, on all by the of rape it. fantasy. But it's like, is she in the 
is she, is her is she have a does she have a crush on Sandy and is projecting it out? I, I got less of that than just the idea of her husband going in and doing that and her being present for that. No, was totally. It? That's what she's yeah. saying. It's just occurring to me now that maybe what was what was missing, what we were missing about it was the really weird about her being attracted to Sandy is that I didn't pick up I on didn't that either. And maybe I'm wrong, but it's gross. It's all gross. It's all horrible. Yeah, I'm not saying it's not there. I just I didn't see it. But but. Um, but no, I think what's more interesting is is is, is that's Betty. There is there is a part of that where whereas out of place that whole thing was, that is I Betty. Agree. Like when when she said to about Sally a couple seasons ago, oh, she's taken to your tools like a little lesbian, right? This blunt sort of sexual talk that you know it's sort of and, and again think of the age. It's the kind of thing my my mom in later years or my grandmother would have said, where you just go, Jesus Christ. <laughs> to talk like that you know i mean it's 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 old people talk i mean she's also still feeling not sexually attractive she said something to sandy there was a line with sandy where sandy was like why don't you just eat what you want and be who you are and and she's still hating herself and she's this gorgeous woman with some fat on her body (laughs) clearly sandy represents this this youth movement and a little bit of the dark side of that movement, I guess you could say with the, with the family situation and, and lying about Juilliard, which was maybe sort of the most interesting thing she had to say. But um, yeah, there was, there was like this dark thread through, through this, this youth piece of it, which it's late 67, 68's around the corner. And, what is it Pauline actually says? I can't imagine it getting any darker. Again, on the nose, but there it is. Yeah, Pauline says that because the whole night was ruined because right. they got a ding, ticket ding, ding. and they couldn't right. talk their way out of it. I think that's what was missing, actually, from that kitchen table talk was was the darkness it was supposed to be. The The scene with Henry did, was not missing that. That was that was horrifying. And we should mention front Henry center, was yeah. horrified. <laughs> He was like, Betty, what the fuck? He wasn't down. He was, he was not with down. That. He was not yeah, down with the conversation. Not, he, was not, he was not hitting the rape ball back <laughs> over the net. We could say that. That's how I would describe God. Henry. He was not hitting the underage rape ball back While over the net. Betty t- holds her down. He was not hitting <laughs> the underage voyeuristic rape ball <laughs> back over the net to Betty. Jesus fuck. So I'm done. I'm done. But my point, I my point is about that kitchen scene is it is it it was that I think that's what it was missing. You're you're supposed to feel this darkness of like this girl like this girl is yeah. on the edge of being some kind of runaway and and it, it was there in the words, but it it didn't I don't know. I just couldn't give a shit. All right. Yeah. Right. Uh, let's take a break. Yeah. On that note. <laughs> Ball over the net. Let's. I'm going to go take a shower. <laughs> I'm going to. And uh, we'll come back after this. Okay. We get our first full scene with Bert Peterson. Bert Peterson. Do we not? Bert, we hardly knew you. Uh, see on the bread lines, fellas. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's overplayed and it's 
I guess there were really were people like that, you know, in his role. He he was always kind of like the, I don't know. He's basically referred to as a moron throughout, you know, the old Sterling Cooper days. Um, so yes, so, so he's played as a moron. I don't remember, but yeah, he was certainly not the best of the best in this in this getting to know him. Yeah, but he but but what's interesting slightly here is um. You know, and, and this part rang very true for anyone who's ever worked in an office or on a team or anything of any kind. Forget about advertising where someone, you know, is trying to get is is overreacting to some situation. Oh, I just heard that such a and they think that it has to like set in motion all of these all of these consequences or or, or situations to, to change something or, you know, get active on something. And, you know, sometimes if you just step back, a little bit of take a deep breath. <laughs> it's it's not worth, you know, calling the call, calling the creative director uh, or the copy chief or whatever, you know, late at night or, you know, this is take a take a deep breath, Bert. This is, you know, a joke on Carson does not require all this. Yeah. Peggy did a good job of of both reacting to the problem that there was and also being like, is, is that like, she definitely was listening to like, is there a problem here? Is, is it as bad as you think? Like, you don't know the joke. You don't know what was said. You don't know if there's a reaction or a response. Right. But it's clear that bird is overreacting because he's hearing about the joke. He can't say what the joke is. Who was the comedian? How did, how did it, and this, Poor kids doing this impression. And, he was great, you know, and none of it makes any it sense. It doesn't make any sense, but he was kind of great. He kind of like had the had the comedian vibe. Yeah, no, he was clearly, but but he didn't know. <laughs> he still didn't have the the key piece of information. <laughs> yeah, nobody can re- remember anybody's stand up routine after seeing it once. You know exactly. Which 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 should tell you maybe we don't change the entire campaign and all the work that we've done. For something we can barely remember what it was that we're saying everyone's going to be horrified by. Clients are never going to not do that. This wasn't even the client. Well, I guess it was the client. It was ultimately but, the client. Um, and yeah, but he solved right. it. And it was, but, but, but it was what, what's interesting to me anyway, it's just my, my take is um, this was early days of, of TV and a, and a personality like Carson and this was early Carson. This was 67. He was not in L.A. yet. Mm. You know, this was still early New York days of Carson. But it was the first real moments of Carson being like the guy in the culture. He was the culture. And that mattered. So right or wrong, we could argue, you know, it matters. It doesn't matter. If they saw it on Carson, by definition, it mattered. No, absolutely. I, I, I mean, everybody watched. Anybody, anybody awake watched Carson. Like that was every night. And Vietnam is now front and center, right? I mean, it barely got a mention the first couple seasons, but now make makes sense. Um, you know, this year thing is, is you know, you hear that. The PFC Dinkins is coming from Vietnam. It's everywhere. It's just swallowing up everything. There's the great scene where she's on the phone with the pastor trying <laughs> Trying to get a message oh, to I Ted. That's oh, so wonderful. Do we know where Ted was? Why was he at a church? We don't know. He could be home for Christmas, for fuck's sake. It's Christmas. I think it's Chris- It's either Christmas Eve or Christmas night that this is all happening. 
But she has to reach him that night. Oh, she's got she Bert Peterson up her ass. No, was it that night? She's back in the office when she so. called. Wasn't she? Or am I, is that, am I? But why is he away? He's away on, but he's away from the office? I don't know. He could be visiting his mom. What do you mean? It's Christmas. Why is he away? I don't understand the question. No, I mean, is he away away or is he just coming into the office the next morning? He was away, right? I don't know. I think they said I don't know. Away. Anyway, it was a funny, <laughs> funny I, I brought like up the funny was... part and you ruined it with questions that I don't have the answer to. You wrecked it, Dan. Elizabeth Moss doing her best Bob Newhart. Totally. You know, on one end of totally. the Totally. Um, I, <laughs> I grew up Catholic. My mother, not my father. Oh, Norwegian so and, good. Uh, Irish, and, uh, Irish and Swedish. And she's like answering these questions. You could just see the person on the other end, you know, it quizzing her. It was so good. And how does she end the call? And, and peace be with you. Yes, 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 yes. I loved that. <laughs> it was just, it was a- really. And with, and with you. And with you, right. She didn't even say peace, just and with you. And you just knew, yeah. Perfect. It was, it was really great. It was well-written and great performance. Apparently, there was a bunch of jokes on the Tonight Show in question about soldiers cutting off ears in Vietnam. And obviously, we are going to have to go in another direction. What did they say? Well, I wasn't able to obtain a copy or a transcript, but Lawrence here is a devout viewer. I don't know if I can do it justice. Just shut up and do it. The significant thing in terms of our... Our story arcs are, are who are our people is watching Betty handle that client. And it looked like she wasn't going to be Peggy. That's right. Betty does not handle clients. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Watching, watching Peggy handle that client. I mean, we get that moment where he's like, I fixed it. I have a solution. And she's like, uh-huh, 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 okay. uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. uh-huh, uh-huh. Good, good, good. She's, she's <laughs> using every tool in but the toolbox. She, yeah. She has now turned into that voice of authority, that soothing, yeah. I really do, I really will get us there. This is not the person from Patio where she won't, she scoffed at it for not being, you know, for being, for, 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 for she scoffed at the client for not seeing how stupid their idea was. That was the old problem. right, or the last one where she, where she, where she tried to pull a Don Draper and failed. So uh, yeah, with, the, with beans. the beans, yeah. This yeah, yeah. was right. You didn't know how no. this scene was going to turn out because this guy was really being bullish about his fucking solution, and she turned it around and that's that's what the storyline was about for us well i wouldn't say she turned it around i'd say she bought herself time which was is 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 equivalent to to turning it around sometimes right i mean that's what she needed was time her client her client did trust her yeah which is you know and he started to lose that trust and she brought it back she is really in her element now in terms of, it's cre- so you true. know, creative director talent, yeah. really. Yeah, truly. Because it's so much more than the work. It's the 
it's the handholding, it's the client relations, it's it's talking someone off a ledge, which mm-hmm. is what this was. Yeah, Peggy, you'll do fine. Yeah, Peggy, yeah. you'll do fine. No, it was it was beautiful actually. That that moment where she just puts everything into perspective and uses her voice and sh- and you know, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Hang in there. Oh my god. Oh my god. So the, the episode opened with a scream, right? <laughs> it's right. And these people were not sure who they are in the CPR. And it turns out it is Arnie and Sylvia Rosen. Rosen Rosen, another Fletch reference. And 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 it really, in terms of like setting something up. All we get to know is Arnie. Arnie, yeah. Yeah, we don't we don't we don't meet Sylvia at all. We get one little visual of Linda Cardellini. Who uh is crossing herself as he's doing the CPR on Jonesy. That's right. <laughs> but I great. mean, really, as an actress, she's a known quantity. Oh yeah. And no, it's yeah. just like but a she little... just wasn't really in it. Right. Yeah. And you just get this little flash of her and you're like, wait, whoa. <laughs> we'll get more of yeah, Sylvia. For sure. Um but yeah, this is Arnie's episode, uh, or we beat Arnie first. And, um, you know, I, they obviously cast this very carefully for someone who has this, who could have the authority of a doctor, again, a show that does not treat doctors with kindness. Um, but this is a doctor who has an easy charm, who is f- legitimately funny, um, no, he's got a real warmth to show, him. Show, he has a warmth. He's yeah, exactly. He's terrific. Um, hey, he's a surgeon, right? He's a surgeon. He's a surgeon. I think a heart surgeon. Yeah. So, yeah. So, 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 yeah. I just feel like that was very deliberate for a show, as, as I'd like to point no, out. No, casting was was and writing. Yeah, and and the, and the scene when he comes to Don's office with the camera and and the back and forth with you know John Hamm's no slouch. That uh, he he was great, and and but you could see just the this guy could hold his own just about anywhere with anyone, yeah. and that 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 which which a lot of people in the in the Mad Men universe can't do with Don, right? That that's what a lot of this is. That's true, and also, you know, a a lot of the casting through all of television of of Jews, particularly Jewish men, little nebbishy. Whiny, mm-hmm. yeah, losers, and and to put to take that and twist it to where it really is, which is he's short and he's oh you know and he's not pretty. <laughs> and he's a doctor, and right? he's a doctor, <laughs> and 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 he's lovely. Yeah, he's all that. And you maybe don't know if you should trust him. He's not full, you know, you're not fully 100%, but whatever. He takes a long look at one of the women That's who right. walk by. You know, that was clearly intended. But but he's but he's just a whole person. You got a whole person and He really is. That's what I mean the casting. Yeah. Like they were they were trying to say a lot about this character in a short amount of time. And to do that you had to have the right actor. Yeah, no. And they did. Very well done. Um You know. Very, very well done, and we know now. And we like him, and that's like the, him. and that's the bottom line. We, we we have you know the two or two scenes or so with him, in addition to him saving Doorman's life, another door reference. Oh, good one. 
we get just a little bit of time with him, but that which we see, we immediately like. You have to immediately like this guy. Have to. That's essential to the character. Yeah. Is liking Arnie Rose. And we find out they're going to spend New Year's together. They're going to hang out. They don't want to leave the building and yada, yada. I mean, that's all typical stuff. So that's really all we see. That's, That's all we know. What do you think of the weird opening of the episode? Like what? I mean, it was a near death. So what? What? It's a it's a scream, and you hear Megan. Oh 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 my God! I think oh God or oh my God. Yeah, we don't even we don't know where it is. We don't know who's involved. We don't recognize the face of Arnie Rosen at first. I, I think it's a good question. I think that it's simply meant to when we do start to meet Arnie and them as a couple, even a little bit. We need to know immediately that he's the one who saved the doorman's life. Yeah, but we could have we could have done it sequentially, or we could have done it in. No, could have done it. They right, and they chose this way. There was this very dramatic, sneaky sort of special kind of. We're going to do a screen, but then we're on the beach. I, I just wasn't. I wasn't sure what it was for. I see it as a choice. They could have made other choices. This is the choice they made. Yeah, I don't think it meant anything in the end very much at all. I think it, it was it was like supposed to. It was supposed to feel significant. I don't get what the significance was. I, I think the whole storyline, you know, we it was a real near death. I mean, we're we're still in part one of a of a two parter. That again, when we watched it, yeah. we watched it all at once, and neither of us have watched part two yet, right? You didn't, correct? Yeah. But so as a standalone episode, we don't have a full sense of like what's the doorway, even though there's we've we've named some, we've ticked off some yeah. doors. Um, but it, it, I mean, this is a near death experience and this is a man who brought life in. So the fact that it opened with that, but it just felt like, it just felt like a little uh, unnecessary drama. Like you're trying to, like you're setting it up like a little noir and I didn't get it. I didn't get the payoff. Yeah. It definitely had that noirish feel. I, I know what you mean, but, uh, but what, by the time the, 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 this part one was over, even as its own episode, I definitely look at it as they're they're heightening um, the importance of this new character, and this is the way they chose to do it. So by the end of the episode, you feel like okay, Arnie Rosen isn't just someone who's passing through the Mad Men universe. He's th- there's there's substance there, and we're going to see more of him. Yeah, and 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 you know, the, one of the final things we find out is that they're gonna spend New Year's Eve together. So we, we know we're right. going to see more of them. It all fits. Yeah. Yeah. Caroline, honey, she was 91 years old. It's hardly a shock. She was such a sweet woman, and I know how close you were. For 20 years, she's been saying this is her last Christmas. She was always so polite to me when she could hear me. So the last significant piece of information that we get is that, and it's they did it well with the secretary crying like crazy, that Roger's Roger's mother died. Talk about sucking all the air out of the room. That was wild. <laughs> I mean, her crying. She's a wonderful actress, and and she's terrific as Carolyn. But but you know, she starts off. She's upset, and you think she's upset for him, and then you find out what you know. You find out what's happened, and then she's like. She was such a lovely woman. And you're like, oh, you're making, this is all about your loss? Like, and he's comforting her. <laughs> it's a wonderful Mad Men construction. Totally. It's just one of those Mad men this is this is the show, right? That, that's a, that is a hallmark as far as I'm concerned. 
We don't know where Roger's going to go this season. We already know he's in analysis and then he loses his mother <laughs> and she's 90 whatever years old and he's not shocked and he was he was a mama's boy. We got that. And this is going to affect him in ways. I mean, this is the, this is a stick a pin in it because it's probably never going to oh, come yeah. up no, again. No, this was a part 1 for before the part 2. I mean, it, it's a wonderful set. But I mean, for the whole series, for the whole season, Roger's self has now just lost his mother. Right. And he's already dealing with transitions and what's it all about. And so this is a major moment. Yeah. yeah. That's part one. The doorway. Let's take one more break. Come back with some quotes. Okay. You think? Is that a good, that work for you, Dan? Works for me. What's your quote, Dan? I love I love how this episode ended. It was very organic, the photographer. You know, so what do you want? In my office, you've set this up, you've moved my desk, I'm out of, I'm already out of my element. What do you want? I want you to be yourself. Be yourself. <laughs> it's like, okay. I'm telling you I'm uncomfortable and you're telling me to be myself. But that's of course what photographers say. I want you to be yourself. Yes. It's sort of like, who do you think, who are you supposed to be right. at the end of Gypsy and the Hobo? Yep. Yep, yep, yep. I liked it. What's yours? Well, speaking of organic, <laughs> Peggy says, I don't like vegetarian food. It reminds me of Lent. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I just loved it. It's just one of those great character things. And then we, you know, that's before the scene with the pastor. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's Christmas. And she's not with her mother, you know. No. she's She was apparently out out with a bunch of hippies having vegetarian food. Well, yeah, and she's still with Abe, we see, who has to take a dump. Um, I saw, I've been binge watching, um, I've been binge watching The Good Wife. Okay. Just really enjoying it, but... Um, he was in an episode and I, I definitely had to look it up before I could place him. Like. Really? Yeah. You it didn't just, recognize him at all? It was so out of context and it was, huh. you know, he's, I was like this guy. And he was playing, oh, and he was playing like a military guy. So it was very right? confusing. I always thought, the act, and I don't know his name, I'm sorry, but the, the actor who plays Abe uh, has a David Paymer vibe. Yeah, a little bit. Yes, yes. Yeah, right? but more handsome, more attractive David, than David Paymer. More handsome, yeah, yeah absolutely. Sure. More conventionally handsome than David Paymer. But the vibe is no, that's at least good. on Mad Men. It's the only place I've seen him. But but he always gives me a David. Well, Paymer if you watch vibe. all of the Good Wife somewhere, you'll see him on the stand. I won't be doing that, but that's good. That's a good show. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> people like it. Um, so that was part one. Awesome. We're off. Season six, part one. We will do. Let's do part, we'll do part two next. Two next. Yeah. Let, let's go in order. Okay, it's been working so far. <laughs> All right, so we will get back uh, to you with part two, and uh, it's good to be back. Sure is. Thanks, everybody. Bye. If you would like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash theycoinedpod for bonus content and extras. For cool swag, visit etsy.com slash shop slash theycoinedstore. Neat-looking shirts, hoodies, and tchotchkes. Another way to support us is to leave us a glowing review on Apple Podcasts. Email us questions at theycoinedpod.com, Twitter and Instagram at TCI Pod. 
They Coined It is produced and edited by Roberta Lipp. Our logo and merch graphics are by Albert Stern of Stickrest Arts. Our theme is from Adam Tilford. Thanks again for listening. I'm Dan Jasper. See you next time.